Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School of Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, also brought to you by Wesley Willis. Handful of stuff, as always, going on in the world of baseball sports and unifying America. And um, for those that are following through the Facebook feed, if it's you know a little bit blurry, you may want to try to catch afterwards the uh, the YouTube video, which seems to be coming out a lot clearer. I think it, a lot of it has to do with the Facebook video. It's a little more sensitive to me moving around, and I can't seem to stop moving in my chair. But uh, as always, you want to communicate with the show, you can send a comment, Facebook Live, YouTube Premiere. You could also uh, send me a text, 732-513-5927, or you could call the show. I got a uh, phone here. 732-364-3598. Now, baseball season is off and running. So in a little bit, we're going to get into the previews. And one thing that I will tease with the previews is that over a course of a 60-game season, 102 games less of the norm, which is a regular 162-game season, the cream has less of an opportunity to rise to the top. So a team that gets off to a good start, has a better chance of making a postseason, especially now that six playoff teams have been added and there will be now 16 of the 30 MLB teams making the postseason in 2020. We'll get into that in a little bit, but, you know, it's very important to continue to bring up these same points. And I did a show maybe about a month or so back, stressed the importance of Black Lives Matter and what it means right now in the year of 2020. And in a minute, I'm going to talk about the reasons that we've gotten here. But it looks like there's still a lot of people out there that just don't get it. And rather than be critical or mean or straight up call people that don't get it right now racist, At the very least, you have to admit that you have an issue with black people. Black Lives Matter is not a hate group. Black Lives Matter has been put out here to support the causes of black people who, by the way, since the days of Jackie Robinson and since the days of Martin Luther King, this country that we live in, the United States of America, the one that brings us all this freedom, still has ignored racism in this country. Still, in the year of 2020, a black person is judged just because of the color of their skin and assumed to be a threat when they're not a threat. So now as Major League Baseball gets started, and the media, the media always playing a role in the lack of ability for the country to get any better, will first off start by saying, we, we believe in Black Lives Matter. We support everybody that supports Black Lives Matter. We support athletes that support Black Lives Matter. And those same people from the media are going to be the first to say Aaron Boone's wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt. Mookie Betts is kneeling during the national anthem. So what you're saying, media, is that you don't necessarily support the cause. You're passive-aggressively saying that you're against Black Lives Matter and saying it in a way that proves that you have a little bit of an issue 
with race. I'm going to throw Pee Wee Reese into the discussion right now because I think it's very important to try to draw parallels to that of what we have seen and been through in society before. Pee Wee Reese set it up to where he is looked at as a hero because he put his arm or supposedly put his arm around Jackie Robinson and Crossley Field in 1947 in the Dodgers Reds game. Now that may be an urban myth. That may be something that just was added to the story, maybe added to the punchline of what makes the movie 42 as great as it is. But obviously it was reported and it was assumed for a while that it was a fact. And maybe it's not. But let's say for a second that it was. Pee Wee Reese putting his arm around Jackie Robinson is saying a message to not only his teammates, but most importantly, the fans of Cincinnati. The fans that love Pee Wee Reese. The ones that look at him as this little kid from Kentucky, as one of their own, having their own racial undertones and issues in the year of 1947. Pee Wee Reese saying Jackie Robinson is my teammate and I support Jackie Robinson in this cause is similar to what a lot of Americans are doing right now when it comes to Black Lives Matter. And like I said, the thing that bothers me the most about this is the fact that we're 60, 70, almost 80 years since Jackie Robinson integrated baseball by becoming the first African-American player in Major League Baseball since 1884. And we're still struggling with racism. White people in this country, every time Black Lives Matter is mentioned, look at it as if it's a hate group. Continue to say, all lives matter. And the question that I have to the majority of you are, when are you going to have your Pee Wee Reese moment? Your moment where you put your arms around a black American and say, listen, I support you. I believe in you. I feel your pain. Another thing that Jackie Robinson did that a lot of people in this country aren't getting the opportunity to do, Jackie Robinson almost had to do it this way. As angry as he was, as much as he felt like he was being mistreated, the abuse that he was going through, he sat there like a grown man and took it on the cheek. And in the year of 2020, we're not asking our black Americans to stand there and take racism and the the harsh treatment right on your own cheek. So because of that, you have people doing the quote unquote acting out. And that bothers people. White people are bothered when black people act out. But how many years of frustration are you going to have to go through before you finally lose it? And white people love it. Listen, white people love when black people act out because they can say, you know what? Those are the majority. And the problem is, is that those that are acting out in protests, those that are destroying property, those that are fighting against police officers are the minority of the group. The majority of Black Lives Matter wants to be treated like every other white American. 
wants to be like Jackie Robinson wanted to be. Just treated amongst the rest of the baseball players. So we're, we're, we're going out of our way to be pissed off when a player kneels during the national anthem. And they say it's a disrespect of our country and our freedoms. I hate to say it. As much as I love this country and respect the United States of America and respect our national anthem, the country has failed us. The fact that we're in the year of 2020 and we still are nowhere near the end to racism is a slap in the face to all Americans. And anybody that wants to use that forum to kneel during the national anthem has every right to. And if you're your average white American right now that's pissed off that a black person is kneeling during the national anthem, maybe it's time that you understand how much the United States of America has failed that person. And what you need to do at some point is understand that when you're the first to say all lives matter, when you're the first to point to negative protests where there's violence and people acting out, that you have a little bit of issue with black people, it's time to acknowledge it. And you have family and you have friends that care enough about you to guide you through it. And maybe you should console somebody that's close to you. And that day is going to come. And I'll tell you, one day it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks when you're going to realize that the reason that you're so interested in speaking out against Black Lives Matter, when you're so interested in speaking out against every negative thing that a black American does, and the reason that you're doing it is because you don't like black people yourself, like I said, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. But understand this, that instead of shaming you, instead of making you out to be like you're a bad person, there's a time to grow through it like many Americans have done before. Jackie Robinson's teammates grew to understand that he was one of them. Major League Baseball understood at some point that blacks are just the same as whites. And I'm not going to talk about how primitive and barbaric your point of views are in the year of 2020, because that's obvious. But there comes a time where you can start understanding a little more. Where you can start to get that we're dealing with human beings just like you are. And all we want is for everybody to be treated the same. And by the way, I'm not going to spear too much off topic but that includes everybody that doesn't agree with you. They need to be treated like human beings too. So Mookie Betts signs a historic contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. 12 years, looks like it's in the 390 million range. And you can get a different account for a bunch of different sports writers that are going to give you different terms. Apparently he got a $65 million signing bonus. Good for him. Now, some people in Boston may say that the money was there. 10 years, two, 280 million, 28 million a season. And maybe the Red Sox weren't willing to budge off of that. Maybe Mookie felt like his value was a little bit more. But I believe there was a little bit 
of a deeper reason why Mookie Betts did not sign a contract extension with the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox have a great history. They do. And if you're Mookie Betts and you have a chance, hypothetically, in a different world now, because it looks like he's going to be spending the majority of his career, if not the end of his career, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, you could be amongst the likes of Ted Williams and Carl Yastrzemski and David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Pedro Martinez, Joe Cronin. You can name many different Boston Red Sox, which have been proud to wear that red and blue or red and black. Problem in Boston, if you've heard it, you've listened to Tory Hunter, you listen to Adam Jones, you listen to a bunch of Major League Baseball players. Now, the majority of these players were opponents coming into Fenway Park. Many have had a deal with racial slurs and something that probably doesn't exemplify the entire fan base of the Boston Red Sox or the New England area. If you happen to root for the Red Sox and the Patriots and the Celtics and the Bruins, it's not to say that all Boston fans are racist. But once again, there's been a lack of interest in condemning those that do throw such vile insults and use such hatred at Fenway Park. And Torrey Hunter had a, a clause in his contract to never be traded to the Boston Red Sox because he would never embrace those fans as his own. And I believe the same would exist for Adam Jones or many of the other black players that play in Major League Baseball. And I do think it includes Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts was embraced by the Boston Red Sox fans. The Boston Red Sox fans love Mookie Betts. And there may, never, there may have never been a Boston Red Sox fan that had ever uttered a racial slur in the direction of Mookie Betts. While all that may have been true, the treatment of opposing black players was not just something heard by the individual players, but heard by the rest of the teammates of those players and the Boston Red Sox as they are out there on the field. And I believe Mookie Betts heard this. I believe Mookie Betts, just like any other black American, would have been appalled to hear the racist insults being thrown at other players just because they had darker color skin. So I believe that the Boston Red Sox could have offered $390 million over 12 years, just like the Los Angeles Dodgers did. And Mookie Betts wasn't going to sign that. I don't believe Mookie Betts would have signed a contract for $500 million with the Boston Red Sox. I think at some point he had made his decision that he was going to move on whether it was you know, next year in free agency, where he would have been, he's planning to be a free agent at the end of the 2020 season, or through the next team that he was traded to. He ends up getting the opportunity to go to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Dodgers do a good job of acknowledging that this is a franchise player, one of the top five players in the game of Major League Baseball, and one that is warranted of getting such an extension. Now, Andrew Friedman, the general manager, who obviously came back from his days with the Tampa Bay Rays, was thought to be along the lines of the money ball type of general manager, maybe against 
the signing of a player to a long-term contract, a big deal like a Mookie Betts getting 12 years and less than $400 million would have been something that would have been out of the league for Andrew Friedman to sign. Now, he acknowledged, the Dodgers acknowledged, that this was a player that was worth giving that type of contract to. Now, the Dodgers have had some players come and go. Manny Machado was traded for at the trading deadline a couple years ago before he went to free agency and signed a long deal with the San Diego Padres. Whether it was his time in L.A., whether it was the judging of the player, the Los Angeles Dodgers determined that Manny Machado was not the type of player that they were going to continue to build their franchise around. Now, Mookie Betts was. Does that mean that Cody Bellinger isn't? Does that mean that Corey Seager isn't? I don't know. But it looks like Betts is going to be in L.A. for a long time. But I think the one thing that cannot get lost about this is the fact, as we are talking about Black Lives Matter and we are talking about racism today, I think a lot of people that are listening to the show may have just realized that they have some issues with black people. And, you know, hopefully, out of the group that realize that, maybe some of them realize that it's unwarranted. And maybe it is time to change our own personal feelings. But I'm pretty sure that Mookie Betts left Boston because of the one percenters. And once again, I'm going to continue to put this in a way where I'm giving Boston Red Sox and Boston fans respect. I believe that the majority of Boston fans are good people. They may not agree with that of a New York sports fan's take, but they're not supposed to. But as far as their passion for their own team, I believe they are just as good as fans in New York or Philadelphia or L.A. or anywhere else. But once again, talking about being judged for 1% or the minority of those, there are racists in Boston. There are people that throw out vile slurs that everybody on that Boston Red Sox field in Fenway Park has heard. Red Sox players, opponents, Mookie Betts. So those fans are the ones that basically chased Mookie Betts out of Boston. Mookie Betts isn't playing in Boston for the rest of his career because of the acts of those individuals. And we spoke on the show a couple weeks ago about condemning those that are not us. It is time for the Boston Red Sox fans to condemn the racists that are responsible for Mookie Betts First of all, not signing with the Red Sox, not signing an extension with the Boston Red Sox, then accepting the trade to the Los Angeles Dodgers and, you know, signing the long-term extension with them. Mookie Betts is not coming back to Boston because of the one percenters, because of the racist Boston Red Sox fans, which doesn't anywhere near accompany the entire fan base. So I think if I'm the majority of Boston Red Sox fans, I'd be pissed at the one percenters. I'd be pissed at those and would say that it's time to condemn those that don't have the beliefs of the majority. Condemn those that force Mookie Betts out and to the other side of the country. Just like it's time for the police union to condemn the police officers that are murdering innocent black people when they don't have to. And it's time for Black Lives Matter to condemn those 
that are out on the streets looting and stealing and not representing the values of what Black Lives Matter is about. It's time for those, like I said last week, to condemn others that are making their entire group look bad. This copyright broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction or the use of pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show. JohnPLA.com and LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or use of programs such as by charge and admission for its showing is similarly prohibited. So, uh, opening day, you obviously had Nats, Yankees, Dodgers, Giants. Everybody and their mother goes out there and it's time because the season has started. Normally, you'd be doing this at the end of March or early part of April throwing their season previews out there. And I'm going to explain to you and give a couple of reasons why the majority of people that are giving their predictions right now have got it wrong. There's a 60-game baseball season as opposed to 162. That means there's 102 games less being played in 2020 than in the majority of other baseball seasons. Over the course of 162 games in baseball, we know that the cream has the opportunity and enough of a chance to rise to the top. The Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, any of those teams that we consider the cream of the crop when it comes to Major League Baseball have a chance to endure a bad start, a bad stretch, and a bad series of games. If you get off to a bad start in the first month here, you're going to have a very hard time climbing back into the race, especially if the expectation was that you were going to go out there and win the division. Now, the Yankees could go out there and go 62-0. and zero. The Dodgers could go out there and go 62-0. and zero. Odds are they won't. Odds are there'll be games like last night when you talk about five innings being played the game gets rained out and the results are what they are. Every game matters. Games matter almost three times as much as they mattered before. So that team, if you want to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates, if you want to talk about the Miami Marlins, it has a couple good series. It starts out maybe 10 and 6. When that other team that was expected to win their division, whether we're talking about the Milwaukee Brewers or the Atlanta Braves, get off to a 6-10 and 10 start, it's going to take a couple weeks for that team, assuming that they are as good as we thought they were when the season started, to get back to where they are expected to be. So when it comes to our predictions, which we like to say are more holier than now, like we expect the Yankees and the Astros and the Dodgers to be what they are, if I hear one more prediction about a Yankees-Dodgers World Series, I'm probably going to explode. There's many chances, if you look at the expanded playoff format, for a team to get picked off. There are many chances that a team that may not have deserved to be in the playoffs in the first place, may not have made it to the postseason, if we're talking about the rules of last year, could knock off a team that we expect to win the entire thing. So when we're putting our predictions out there, 
I think it's very important that we factor in that number one, teams may not necessarily get off to the start that we expect them to, both good teams getting off to bad starts and bad teams getting off to good starts. And if they're in that position, an unexpected position after the end of August, that means we are already halfway through the season. There's only one month left in the season after August. So that team, the Orioles, if they're over 500, may have every right to make a push to the playoffs. The Yankees, if they have a sub-500 record, may have every right to cash in and go for it next season. So, in the past, I've done the 30-1 to 1 MLB countdown previews. And I don't think they're warranted as much this year because I think you could talk about the 30th team in Major League Baseball and they may not necessarily deserve to be the 30th team. It could be a team with a lot of aspirations, a lot of expectations. and it, But a team that underachieves within the first month of the season and then deciding that this year probably just ain't for now. Maybe injuries get the most of a team that we're expected to go out there and win the whole thing. So I look at the American League East, and I think it's hard to pick against the New York Yankees based off of the team that they have constructed. Garrett Cole is their ace. They have deep starting pitching. They have probably one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in all Major League Baseball. Their bullpen is immaculate. They seem to be well run as an organization. I'd be surprised if the Yankees don't win, you know, 66% of their games this year. So it's hard to pick against them. But like I said, they go out there like they did last year and lose two or three at home against the Baltimore Orioles. Those losses have a little more value than they would have in years past. Now, I think a team like the Toronto Blue Jays could surprise this year. I look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Hunjin Ryu goes over there to be their ace, their number one starter. Now, the Blue Jays are in flux, of course. They don't have a place to play. Their country has decided that baseball is not a essential source of employment. So they're not opening up baseball in the country of Canada. So the Blue Jays may be playing in Camden Yards. May wind up deciding to play in some other major league stadium. And by the way, if I'm the Wilpons and I own the New York Mets and I'm trying to get any source of money in, I would offer the Toronto Blue Jays to play at City Field. You're talking about Fred and Jeff will do anything to make a buck. You know they're struggling. They can use the money. Why not, you know, lease City Field out to the Toronto Blue Jays and have them play their home games there? Blue Jays are going to have to pay for it wherever they go. I, I, I don't know why that just crossed my mind right now. I think the Blue Jays will play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think they're a young team. Charlie Montoya, their manager, looks to have a good pulse of the young players on that team. And I, I think... This could be a year for a young team. So I could see the Toronto Blue Jays going out there, finishing second in the American League East and making a postseason. 
The Tampa Bay Rays, I have being one of the wildcard teams. I think a lot of other people would agree that. In the past, I've been waiting for the Tampa Bay Rays to just finally not be able to have an influx of young players and be able to grab lightning out of every bottle that they put their finger in. They seem to be blessed there. They seem to have a great run organization. They seem to be able to put players in the position to succeed. I think the Tampa Bay Rays will be over 500, and because of that, they will be a wild card team. The Boston Red Sox, people say that they are going through a rebuild. The loss of Mookie Betts was a big deal with them. I think it's going to be tough with Chris Sale gone. Remember, you traded David Price as part of the Betts deal. I don't know if Boston necessarily has the pitching to compete with the likes of the Yankees and others in the American League. Nathan Ivaldi was great in 2018 when the Red Sox won the World Series. Eduardo Rodriguez, who is starting the year on the injured list, had a great year last year. But outside of that, they're very weak. Brandon Workman was their closer last year. He kind of emerged out of the blue. Had a great season. Is he able to duplicate that? Offensively, Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts, they're going to have to carry that offense which is a little bit weaker without Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is one of the best players in Major League Baseball. That team is going to feel his loss. And I look at the Baltimore Orioles. I think they could get off to a good start. But I think even if they do, it's going to be hard for them to have that type of leadership that's going to push them into the playoffs. So we go to the American League Central, and we got the Chicago White Sox, who I got winning the division. Part of it's going to be because of Luis Robert or Luis Robert, who's going to win the rookie of the year this year and probably be one of the best players in the American League. They were aggressive in free agency. They signed Dallas Keuchel and Yasmani Grandal and re-signed Jose Abreu and brought in Gio Gonzalez and traded for Nomar Mazzara. I think in a short season, this is a great opportunity for the Chicago White Sox to go out there and win the division. The Cleveland Indians traded Corey Kluber. They may be getting towards the end when it comes to their relationship with their star player, Francisco Lindor. But I think they can get off to a good enough start. And they're very well managed by Terry Francona. And I think this team's going to be fine. So give me the Indians as the second playoff team in the American League Central. The Minnesota Twins are going to have a little bit of a disappointment. Great year last year. Their offense is outstanding. Josh Donaldson adds something to the mix. Nelson Cruz seems like he's getting better the older that he gets. I think they're going to be able to hit. I hate their pitching. I do. Jose Barrios is a good number one. Outside of that, they are very weak. And it was exposed in the postseason last year. And I think while every game is being treated as if it is close to a playoff game, I think the Twins are not going to get enough out of their starting pitching this year. And you're going to watch teams like Cleveland and Chicago outperform them. And I don't see the Twins making the playoffs this year. The Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, listen, I believe that there's magic in the bottle for anybody. I just can't see it with either one of these two teams. I move over to the West and we talk about the American League West and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And I think this is a year where they're led by Joe Madden. They have a little bit of a different look to them. It's weird that Brad Ausmus 
after they went so many different years with Mike Socha as their manager. Osmus only manages there one year and is out. But it's the Joe Madden thing. Remember the Chicago Cubs let Rick Renneria go because they can hire Joe Madden. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim let Brad Osmus go so they could bring in Joe Madden as their manager. Now, Joe Madden is going to have to prove something here. He won a World Series with the Chicago Cubs. Prior to that, he made the Tampa Bay Rays as good of a team as they've ever been. He took them to the World Series. Now he's going to have to go back to the Angels where he spent, what, 20-plus years as a coach, two-time interim manager in 1995, taking over for Renee Latchman, and in 1999, taking over for Terry Collins as interim managers. It's his time to get that something out of that team. They got the best player in the sport in Mike Trout. They got the most intriguing player in the sport in Shohei Otani. They got probably, when it comes down to it, the player that's going to rank as the best player in the history of baseball to be in this era right now in Albert Pujols. The question is, do the Angels have enough pitching? And I believe they do. But I'm not dismissing the Houston Astros, who I got as a wild card, making the playoffs in the American League. No big surprise. Funny as you listen to A-Rod on the ESPN broadcast talking about the Dodgers and the Yankees, like, you know, he's really going out on a limb with that prediction. And then he says his sleeper team is the Houston Astros. How are the Houston Astros a sleeper? Are you kidding me? is a team that made the World Series last year, won the World Series three years ago, is bringing back one of the most talented rosters in all of Major League Baseball. Now, people are shaming them because of the accusations of cheating and maybe the proof that showed that they did cheat during the 2017 season. They still bring back a ton of talent. Jordan Alvarez, who won the Rookie of the Year last year, I believe has another gear in him. He could become a top five or top ten player in all Major League Baseball this year. Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, George Springer. Springer on the last year of his contract before he come, becomes a free agent. Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Lance McCullers coming off of TJ with a big, uh, a big season ahead of him. The Astros are going to be fine. A team that I think will be fine, too, is the Oakland Athletics. And as the years have gone by, similar to my views on the Tampa Bay Rays, I've warmed up to the Oakland Athletics, and I look at them in a way where I think that they are a good baseball team. I like Mac Chapman. I like Marcus Simeon, who was on a walk year. He wants to duplicate a season from 2019 so he could get a nice contract as a free agent in the 2020 offseason. You, know, you look at their pitching, Frankie Montas, is probably one of the more unheralded aces in all Major League Baseball. I think he can go out there and be a legitimate number one for them. The Oakland Athletics are going to be fine. Seattle, I think, is going to get a little bit of an improvement this year. And Seattle is the example of a team that I think can overachieve enough to not finish where people expect them to. And for the 2020 season, most experts expect the Seattle Mariners to finish in last place. I think they can finish in fourth place. A team that I could see being a big disappointment, but probably more because of getting off to a bad start, is the Texas Rangers. They made the big move for Corey Kluber. 
they were aggressive this offseason and trying to get better. They look at themselves, and their window may be shrinking a little bit. Can they go out there and win themselves enough games to make it to the postseason this year? I think they'll get off to a bad start, uh, like a handful of other teams will, and they just won't have the time to recover. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by Wesley Willis, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We started out talking about the correlations between Black Lives Matter and Jackie Robinson, everything that Jackie Robinson had to endure without the caveat that people can't fight back is basically what you're seeing right now. The media who wants to tell you that it's okay to support Black Lives Matter. It's okay that they support Black Lives Matter. They then go out there and point out every player that has a Black Lives Matter shirt as if it's something bad. They say that if they support any player that would choose to kneel during the national anthem, yet they point out every particular player that decides to kneel during the national anthem. Pee Wee Reese supposedly put his arm around Jackie Robinson at Crossley Field in Cincinnati in 1947, basically showing his support for Jackie Robinson. I think there comes a time where us as lighter color skinned people put our arms around our black neighbor and show that we support you. The fact that 70 years have gone by since Jackie Robinson. The fact that 60 years almost have gone by since Martin Luther King, and we have still not tackled racism as it systematically exists in this country is an absolute embarrassment. And you should all be ashamed, especially those that want to take Black Lives Matter and say that all lives matter the ones that want to go out there and point their fingers at the one percenters, which are the people that are out on the streets rioting and looting and causing harm and fighting police officers. You have to admit that you have a little bit of hatred or disdain towards a black person. But I'm telling you, there's hope. There's hope if you believe this way. There is hope if you're just acknowledging now that you have a problem with people that have darker color skin. If it's just hitting you in the head like a ton of bricks, I'm telling you there's hope. You have friends, you have family, you have people you could talk to. Let's go out there and make this world a better place. I'm going to give a quick preview of the National League starting in the East. Previews will be up. You can watch the video on YouTube. I'll uh, push it out there before the beginning of opening day today. I got the Phillies in a shortened season winning the National League East. I like Joe Girardi. I like the D.D. Gregorius and Zach Wheeler were major acquisitions. J.T. Romuto on a contract year has got a little to prove. Bryce Harper looks at his friends with the Washington Nationals celebrating their World Series championship. I think the motivation has got to be there in the city of brotherly love. The Phillies, I think this is the best team they've put together in a while. The question, and if I'm going to dispute whether this is going to work out for them, the only thing that I I could see failing them 
is the lack of continuity. But I think that's what Joe Girardi is there for. I got them winning the NL East. Second place, I got the Atlanta Braves. It's hard to pick against them. I think they went out there and addressed their bullpen situation. There's a chance they may not have Cole Hamels this year, but they do have a lot of good young players that I think will have the opportunity to thrive in a short season format. Mike Soraka is taking a ball opening day. I think he's going to prove to be a legitimate ace for them. You know, they got Freddie Freeman. They got Marzello Zuna on a walk year, a chance to make himself some money as a free agent. Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies. It's hard to pick against the Braves. I got them making the playoffs as the number two team in the NL East. The Washington Nationals, I got missing the playoffs this year. And I don't think it's because Anthony Rendon isn't there. I don't think it's majorly because of a hangover from winning a World Series. I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be gunning for them. And listen, the Nationals did a great job last year. They went out there and started the season 19-31 and 31 and won themselves a World Series. You realize in 60 games, you're not going to be able to get yourself out of a 19-31 and 31 start. And it's not to assume that the Washington Nationals are, but I think they're going to have a little bit of an issue keeping up with the teams in their own division and the American League East, by the way. They're going to be gunning for them. You don't think the Yankees want to get at the Nationals? You don't think the, the Rays are a little ticked off? You don't think the in-town Orioles want to beat the Washington Nationals? Are tired of the attention they're getting for winning a World Series championship? The Orioles in their history have not won a World Series since 1983. They've not been in the playoffs in, what, the last six years? A lot of people are going to want to get to Nationals. Now, one of my surprises, and I picked the Seattle Mariners to finish fourth place over the Texas Rangers in the AL West. I'm picking the Miami Marlins to finish fourth place in the National League East. I think the Marlins always seem to play the Mets and the Phillies well. I think they'll win a couple games against both of those teams. I think they'll beat the Orioles. I think they could beat the Boston Red Sox. I think they could pile themselves up some wins and finish out of last place for the first time in a handful of seasons. So that leaves the New York Mets getting bad news to start the season. Marcus Stroman starting the season on the injured list. Supposed to be a big year for him, a walk year. Noah Syndergaard out with Tommy John surgery. Mets bullpen, yes, they brought in Dallin Batances, but Edwin Diaz is still the closer. Joanna Cespedes on a walk here, sure. The Mets may be one of the best teams in the National League to be equipped for the designated hitter, and I agree with that. Pete Alonso, 53 home runs, rookie record, rookie of the year. They got a lot of talent there. Robinson Cano, I don't know if he's got anything left. He may officially be Jason Bay. We'll find out within the next couple months. Can that bullpen hold itself together? The Mets starting rotation, which is, was thought to be the biggest strength, one of the biggest strengths in all of Major League Baseball, is just Jacob DeGrom and Steven Matz. With Rick Porcello coming off of a five-plus ERA season, Michael Waka almost out of baseball with his performance last year with the St. Louis Cardinals. And who's going to be the Mets' fifth starter if Marcus Stroman isn't there? I can see the Mets getting off to a bad start. And I can see 
it's just becoming too tough for them to come back. And the Mets, who traditionally have been a really good April team, but a bad June team, are going to have to put April and June all in one month in the month of August. And I just don't see it happening. Give me the NL Central. And I feel really confident that the Cincinnati Reds could go out there and win this division. Shorter season, I think the advantage goes to them like it does with the Chicago White Sox. I love their pitching staff with Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. Mike Moustakis they added. Nick Castellanos they added. This is a real exciting lineup. You and Enio Suarez, Joey Votto. Our city's Aquino, maybe as their DH, or, you know, guy hit a ton of home runs last year. This team I like. Maybe they go out there at the trading deadline and trade for a reliever. I got the Reds winning the division. St. Louis Cardinals, I think, can go out there and get off to a really good start. They may be not so flashy, not coming off of an offseason where you're like, wow, look at what the Cardinals did. But I think they have a lot of leadership there. I think they are looking at what they did last year and realizing that they are a pretty good baseball team. Jack Flaherty at the top of that rotation gives them a legitimate ace that they didn't have last year. Remember, Flaherty kind of emerged in the second half of the season. I look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Christian Yelich could be available for the postseason this year. I'd watch out if I was an opponent of the Brewers in the postseason. And then we got the Cubs, who I just think that their ship is sailed. And I'm sorry. I, I like what the Cubs have done. I like Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo. You know, Kyle Hendricks is, is a very good ace. John Lester's still there. They got a good mix. Javier Baez is a hell of a player. I just look at the talent in that division. And I look at the American League Central, who they're going to have to play. A lot of teams will be coming for them, too. David Ross gets a job as a manager. They say, hey, he's the modern day. He's the 2020 major league manager. Comes in there, no experience. He's going to learn a lot this year. I got the Cubs finishing fourth. And the Pirates, listen, I think the Pirates can get off to a very good start. I would love to see them do so. I think they could surprise just like the Marlins maybe or the Mariners for a little while. But in the end, they're still what they are. Pirates... A lot of their talent, they traded away. They traded for Chris Archer, and Archer ain't pitching this year. They traded for Felipe Vasquez as their closer. They traded Mark Melanson, a guy who was going to be a free agent, for him. Felipe Vasquez ain't pitching this year. So I go to the West, and I say this is a division that I could see being turned upside down. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Signed Madison Bumgarner. They got a pretty deep rotation. They got Zach Gallon, who I think is going to be pretty good. They got Robbie Ray, who I think is ready to put a disappointing season behind him. They got a respectable bullpen, but a very good offense led by Cattell Marte. Carson Kelly is going to become a star as a catcher. They went out there and they got Starling Marte from the Pirates. I think in a short season, I could see the Diamondbacks winning the NL West. You can't 
it's almost impossible. It's almost sacrilege to pick against the Los Angeles Dodgers making the playoffs. So I got them finishing second. Maybe a bad start, but they finish strong and they make the playoffs. San Diego Padres, I got them making the playoffs too. They've been aggressive the last couple off seasons. You got Machado, they got Hosmer. They made some moves this year to try to get a little better. I think they're going to be in the postseason. San Francisco Giants, similar to Miami, similar to Seattle. I could see them as a last place expected team to finish fourth. And the Colorado Rockies, after a good year a couple years ago, I think they're going to struggle again in 2020. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you next week. Everybody enjoy the start of the Major League Baseball season. Once again, you can contact me on Twitter, at John underscore Pielli. You can also send me a text message, 732-513-5927. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.